0: Yeah, no, that's it. Like once you release music, it's not yours anymore. You know, it's, it's everyone else's to interpret. And I feel like it feels like that once it goes away. It doesn't even look or feel the same. It's it's doing its thing out mm. there. Um, you're just the vessel.
1: <laughs> We're all just anomaly, low probability, organic being floating <laughs> in the <laughs> eternal mist of uh, time and...
0: <laughs> Joy and experience. <laughs>
2: Hello and welcome to the Mr. Bill podcast. My name is Robert Fumo coming straight out of Bali, Indonesia. I'm on holiday right now, but I am still editing podcasts. We have a great guest for you today. We have guess who? Oscar Davey Wright but guess what? That's his real name. His stage name is Opio. Yes, we got Opio. If you are unfamiliar with him, you must have had your head in the sand or under a rock. Uh, He is a producer's producer. The guy travels headlining shows all over the world, and we got him for a chat. So a little bit of news on Opio, he is going to play Red Rocks with a full orchestra in May. So if you're in Colorado, get to Red Rocks, find out what date that is in May, full orchestra, Opio, Red Rocks. Also just had an album drop this past August, check that out, tons of great tunes on it, bunch of new EPs coming this year. Also, keep your ears open for those. Mr. Bill just signed with Prism Talent Agency, so he's going to have a ton of shows this year also. So go to MrBillsTunes.com forward slash tour, and there should be a link to Band is in Town, and you can set up a notification system that will tell you when Mr. Bill is in your area, and you can go see Mr. Bill play. Also, MrBillsTunes.com is one of the one-stop shop resources for music producers trying to upgrade their skill with the quickness. Thousands of hours of tutorials, thousands of hours of live streams, great content, monthly subscription on the cheap. So enjoy the podcast. This is OPO.
1: cool dude well um hey thanks for doing this man welcome to the the mr bill podcast pleasure um you've definitely been a been an extremely requested guest for a while now so i'm glad that we're finally getting around to this um how you doing
0: i'm doing good yep um early morning over here on been up for a few hours been getting up pretty early these days with children and just life but yeah i feel good
1: Mm. Yeah, you're awake at 6 a.m. That's insane. I woke up at 6 a.m. Yeah. this morning and then I went back to sleep until like 12 p.m. or something like that.
0: <laughs> the reality of like someone just saying, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, get up about 9, just like even even imagining that nowadays is, is crazy. Like on the road, I'll you know, mm-hmm. we'll get in at 4 or 5 after a show and we'll sleep as long as we can and that's just imaginary numbers because you're kind of on the road. It doesn't actually matter, but... When you're at home, oh man, I can't remember sleeping in for a very long time. Did you?
1: Is that just because of like, <clears throat> having kids or whatever, or? Is that...
0: Yeah, I guess both. It's kids. Um, yeah, I like I like being up in the morning. It, it's it's. Uh, I think I'm pretty productive. I'm a morning person, um, and then I'm also a re- very very late night person. Like if I'm still up at two in the morning and no one else is around and there's no distractions. But that doesn't happen very often anymore at home, which is fine. But during the day, there's no one here. Uh, my studio is at home, so it's fine. But, yeah, I've definitely – I guess my body clock's completely changed now, which is actually good because I've spent a lot of time in North America. So mm. 6 a.m. is like, what, like 11 where you are? Where are you?
1: Uh, I'm in Atlanta. So 6 a.m., I think, oh, for right. you, was like 2 p.m. for me or something like that. Right. So, yeah, okay. it puts you puts you at your, like, most productive at around – That's like, when the, you got up. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, I mean, so today has been a weird one for me. I, I just slept for 24 hours because I did like a two day wow. session a few days before this, uh, which is like something that I I try not to do very often. But I've for like the longest time suffered from just chronic insomnia, and wow. some days like I'll <clears throat> I'll write music or whatever for like however long, and then I'll go try and sleep, and I'll just be laying in bed for like four or five hours, and I'm just like I, I tell I, I can tell it's like not going to happen. So, I just mm. go, fuck it. I just feel like I'm wasting time. So, I just get up and start working mm. again. And then mm. just go, like, yeah, oh, that four or five hours that I was laying in bed sort of counts as a sleep, although it does, like- honestly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Is, do you, do is it like when you, do you know you've been awake that whole time or do you ever fall in and out of that, like, unsure whether you fell asleep?
1: No, but- it's, it's literally just like a four or five hour period of just laying there with my eyes closed, sort of thinking. And then, wow. I'll just get back up and start working again. Yeah, super unhealthy and definitely something that I'm like trying to uh, work on. And I'm, yeah, I've, I've seen doctors about it a ton of times and they've prescribed me all sorts of mm. shit for it. Like um, Trazodone is one of the things and that they've prescribed me for it before. But if mm. I take that shit, like it'll put me to sleep, but then the next day I'll wake up, I'll be super fucking groggy. Uh, and it yeah. takes me until like 6 or 8 p.m. or something until I feel normal. And then a couple hours later, it's like time to take it again and go back to sleep. So <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst. It just doesn't make That's much a bad sense. loop. Yeah, it's a yeah, have you ever day, tried?
0: So. Have you ever tried like, you know, uh, meditating or, or, you know, other things to still – is it your mind that you feels awake? I've, I definitely suffer a bit from it. Like if I've got lots on or I'm anxious about something, I'm definitely much – Less able to go to sleep, but sometimes I fall asleep really easy and then I wake up two hours later and I'm like up for hours. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I've tried meditating and like slowing my mind down a bunch. I've also tried exercising mm. and just wearing myself out and, um, mm. all sorts of other shit. It's really just hit and miss. I don't really, mm. yeah, I don't really yeah. understand what it is, but yeah, sometimes sure. like um, my, my meditation shit is like, I've never been able to get the hang of it, to be honest. Like, I can definitely sit there mm. and, and be like, all right, I'm meditating but um as sam harris puts it i just feel like i've been hijacked by the most boring person alive whenever i try to do that <laughs> <laughs> it's just like my brain going like oh man i should update my credit card details there. oh fuck oh, i got like shit. i got to schedule a haircut oh man fuck i wonder <laughs> if my front door's locked like just the dumbest shit you know like oh man my toaster right? it's got like lots of crumbs in it. i should probably go empty that oh, shit yeah. <laughs> just stupid shit
0: it's about like it's about like being okay with that shit though isn't it like you still you never you never don't think about it like mm. we have me and my um me and argy have jumped back into it and and uh a friend put it really well that it was like you never actually clock it there's never been right or wrong but it's just like when you are thinking about those things you're kind of fine with it you know mm. you're like oh yeah and then because you're so fine with it you just sort of move on and stop being like i've got to go do it you know, I don't know. it's not for everyone but it definitely can help i feel like stages in life it's really beneficial, and then other times it's just almost impossible.
1: Right. Yeah, I suppose it's more about just um, uh, being more of an observer of the human experience or the conscious experience rather than being completely absent to the fact that we are literally just having that experience. Because most Mm -hmm. of the time you're constantly just doing shit and your default uh, underlying emotional feeling is that you're in control of it all. And that mm. you're the one who is like the, the creator of all of these actions and thoughts and feelings. But when you sit there and, and meditate, you realize that you're not at all. They're just like randomly coming at you and there's nothing you can do about it. And I suppose, mm. yeah, the, the activity is really just sitting there and being like, just fucking trying to watch them all mm. come at you and, and not really react to them, but rather just observe. Right.
0: Yeah, that is definitely observing it from afar too, almost seeing it from somewhere else,
1: yeah. Cool, man. Well, I took some uh, some some questions from Twitter. Uh, and one of the ones I got, and this is actually one that I'm really interested in and I think a lot of people are interested in, and feel free to not talk about it if you don't want to, but um, uh, someone was asking about your hearing damage. Is that something you're comfortable talking about publicly or not really?
0: Yeah, no, I am now,
1: absolutely. Okay, cool. Yeah. So from, I mean, my understanding, and I might be wrong about this, is that you can't hear out of one ear almost completely, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So totally deaf in one ear, or you can hear a little bit.
0: I mean, uh, it's like if I'm on a plane and I put my finger in my ear and then I take it out, I'll hear a tiny bit of whoosh, comeback. That's out of.
3: Okay, so, so it's basically, well, like
0: the- it's basically. I mean. You could never use it for anything. If I lost hearing in the other ear, I'd pretty much be deaf. But um, I think my brain now has has uh, you know adapted to that in the sense that it, if I got hearing back in that side, it would be so excruciatingly loud right. um, because yeah. it's just trying to you know, the noise floor's got much higher. Right. Sorry. Much so- lower. Yeah.
1: Is it at the point where, like, if you put a hearing aid in that, like, could a hearing aid yeah, do no. anything for it? Or, right, okay, no, so it's bad it's, enough it's, that a hearing aid wouldn't.
0: So it's conductive hearing loss, so basically from the outside to the to the cochlear on the inside. Um, so, you know, they used to test my hearing um, via the bone, or you can put it like a little uh, uh, the ossicle. The headpiece thing. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called, yeah. So mm-hmm. I could technically get some form of a hearing aid that maybe, you know, those ones that attach onto there, but mm-hmm. well, I've always just been with the mindset that it's. I haven't always been like that. It was a very long process to get to that point. Um, and just yesterday, or the day before, someone was visiting and uh, a new friend and, and asked me about it because she was going through a hearing loss thing and a lot of stress with the idea of it and, and the um, the the ringing that comes with it because suddenly you've got nothing coming in and everything else. Um, but yeah, yeah it's, so there's
1: no auditory masking there to like mask the no. ringing.
0: No, and the ringing from when it started.
1: It's neurological, isn't it? It's not actually physical.
0: Uh, no, it can be physical. I mean, when you lose hearing from having your hair, it's hairs bent over, isn't it? Like, you know, if you around too much loud noise. Mine is probably not as physical because it came about after a major surgery for my ear, which I can go into for sure. Um, but I think, yeah, when it's from loud sound, isn't it, the damaged ner- uh, hairs nerves that are constantly sending
1: signal i mean yeah i think I they're know, like yeah. they're i believe the hairs are the like transducers like in the same way that the coil around the magnet is the transducer in the microphone or actually would the hair be more mm. like the diaphragm
0: like the paper bit that's at the top of the yeah, mic yeah no it receives exactly yeah, yeah. and and, and then i guess I the, mean, the, uh, the
1: obstacle the brain i think would be the coil bit that vibrates and then that's what gets yeah transferred yeah okay uh,
0: so why does it well, cause no, Yeah. I think that, well, from what I was understanding, you know, I hadn't looked into it for a long time, but when it first came about, this was 16 years ago now. And, um, I, you know, I I was asking one of the surgeons, I think, and they were just saying it's just basically like a circle on the outside. You have the high frequency hairs all the way to the low frequency hairs. And when they get damaged from sound, they've been beaten around so much, they just end up either bending over or, or being in a funny position that, you know, does it. But, Uh, And then it constantly sends that that signal to the brain. Um, Not in my case so much. I feel like I I had um, uh, fluid behind my eardrums a lot when I was a kid. So I had grommets, which are little tubes that go through your eardrum. And they would drain the fluid and release the pressure. Um, And then as it went on, late high school years, uh, someone who I was seeing in New Zealand noticed that I had a cyst pushing on my eardrum and said it's better off just leaving it bad advice. Um, and then when I got to Australia in 2005, I went and saw a surgeon maybe six months later through 2006. And, um, they said, I have a assist behind the eardrum, um, and they need to operate straight away. Um, very scary conversation and basically said that they need to drill through the back of the, uh, behind the ear, lift up the air, um, and go through the uh, mastoid cavity, which is just a bunch of air cells, to the behind the eardrum. And what had happened is the um, eustachian tube that goes to the back ear nose um, never developed or got blocked when I was younger. So, as that closed, the air that's trapped behind the eardrum gets absorbed by the skin, sucks the eardrum back, and where the eardrum touches the cavity wall can grow a cyst. That was in my case what he thought had happened. And it's a benign cyst, but it just keeps growing. So, they come in, they get remove it, close it all up. Uh, the first operation was like seven hours long. which was a lot longer than they thought it was going to be, and there was a lot of it in there. Um, and it had grow- started to grow around my face nerve. Um, your tongue nerves and everything are in there as well, so they've got to push them out of the way. So I have this really weird feeling inside of my face and slight numbness on the side of my tongue. Um, like and still yeah, still
1: I- to this day, you have that?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a sensation. I don't know how strong as is. I've got used to it, I guess. Uh, that was my main fear was, you know, if they did warn me, if it's um, going through that nerve, they might have to cut the nerve, you know, and that's permanent face damage. And I would take a little bit of hearing loss over that um, at the time. So it was really scary. And they, you know, put the, the sensors on your head and everything because you can sometimes wake up in those surgeries so they can see that your brain is feeling the pain and mm-hmm. it's really full on. Um, and, yeah, for two weeks after that, I had to really figure out how to get my balance back. Um, was a big one walking um, was quite weird at first Um, and then the ringing was just absolutely insane and I I put it down to more the amount of you know obviously intrusion in there but also the the drugs that I would have had to have taken to be asleep for seven hours and everything else that I had to do in that time I didn't really want to try and figure out exactly why I didn't want to have to have a a reason it was just more this was the situation Um, but I had to spend you know six months probably with white noise on on my stereo in my room to sleep or try and sleep or call my mum at two in the morning and talk to her for two hours just to take my mind off it um I already had hearing damage and it got worse over time and that's when I knew that you know my drum wasn't working properly but after that surgery it was you know pretty much done they did say at the time maybe they could do something about it um I'd chosen to do a, a lesser of an operation um, there's, there was one which I've had now, um, so about four years later, I ended up. What was it probably no? No, maybe six years later. It kept coming back every year. I'd go back in, have to have another surgery. As I started touring more in two thousand nine, ten time, um, I'd have to pick a time when I could go and really, you know, take two or three months off afterwards, not say anything, have another surgery, get it done again. Until later on, I met another surgeon um, who was an amazing specialist um, and he uh, started seeing him and he was like, we need to do the big surgery, which is basically they go in, move your eardrum, create a bowl kind of um, inside there and, and, and have access to your middle ear without having to go in through the invasive surgery, of pulling your ear back and going back in through, you know, in through your skull. And that means that what I have now is you can see straight into your middle ear um, and they can see if there's anything in there and they can clean it out. Um, It's not a cyst because there's no way for it to grow. It's more just skin and debris and things like that. does mean that I can't go swimming because it goes straight to my middle ear. So I would get extreme, um, you know, what is it? Not vertigo, but just, you know, I've had it where I have to clean it out with peroxide and sometimes I haven't warmed it up enough and it's freezing cold. And it's like the worst seasickness you can imagine instantly. So mm. you just you have no idea where it's up or down and you feel like you've gone green. It's like this weird sensation. Mm. It actually feels like that. Um so yeah, I have to be careful of that. But yeah, I just like a of dirty water or um yeah, that.
1: So when you uh, shower, are you just really careful to not get water in it?
0: Yeah. I mean, shower water is pretty clean normally. I mean I don't yeah. Oh so the, so
1: the swimming is more about like water being unclean than it is about getting water in there.
0: Yeah. And also both. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, if I was in the ocean and even if I had people like just put an, air, put an air plug in, you know, and if I put mm. an air plug in and I got smashed by a wave, the air plug came out,
3: mm.
0: cold water went in and i would just drown. you know, I wouldn't know what's going on. Right. Um, and then, yeah. And then the other side of it is, you know, I can go into hang out, but it's kind of like this funny thing that, you know, a lot of people would think that's, you know, it's the end of time. I can't go swimming again. You know, right. but it's like, It's just part of it, I guess. It's becomes the new normal. Who I am, (laughs) exactly, and you know, I've had friends in the past, which was probably a good experience to witness, who have decided to stop doing music through really bad ringing, and it really affected them to the point where they lost their identity and became a shell of who they were, And, and that was something I just didn't want to happen. So I just always treated it as my journey, and maybe it made me more encouraged to do this. You
1: know. Yeah, I, I remember I asked you about this. um, I want to say I was in like 2012 or some shit. We were hanging out at some show you were doing in Sydney, and I asked you about it, and you were like, "Oh man, fuck it!" Like there's people who are disabled who run 100 meter sprints faster than anyone I know with two legs. And I was like, "Yeah, that's a great way to think about it." It's like, who gives a mm. fuck? It's like you know, there's disabled people out there crushing it in all sorts of different fields. You know, who don't have legs who mm. run really fast, or who don't have arms and can <laughs> fucking swim really well and shit. Like,
3: yeah.
0: yeah, and you know, you think I sometimes thought of like. I was almost viewing it like if I had both my ears and I was working my hardest and trying to do my thing and I still wasn't making the thing that I wanted, you know, I was like, why can't I do it? But I was like, I've got one works fucking great right now. And I'm loving what I'm doing. So it works, you know, Mm -hmm. this, this system works and I almost felt like it would be more intense having both, you know, I had to think of the best way to, to do it. And it kind of became how I thought about it as well, which is,
1: Right. Also, as a result of being on this journey, your understanding of audiology in terms of like, you know, how the how the biological ear works is probably better than most producers as well. And I think having a good understanding of how the ear works also by default gives you a pretty good understanding of how microphones and speakers work.
0: (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Um,
1: how is it with uh doing mix downs and stuff like that like uh where do you i guess i'm mixing mono (laughs) well yeah i suppose (laughs) and honestly if you can get a good mono mix uh going then i suppose yeah totally it sounds good i
0: I don't really notice it uh anymore i do sit funny sometimes i kind of hold myself a certain way when i'm talking to people i'll turn Mm. my head i'll sit in a certain corner of a table you know all those things are just automatic now um, but I, I've only had one song. I can't remember what it was, and I was listening to it, and I must have had the headphones the other way, and a noise went bang on one side, <laughs> you know, on my good ear, and I was like, what the fuck? I don't remember leaving that in there, and I went back and listened, and it was panned to one side, and I oh. missed it because of my ear. So it was it was funny, you know. But
1: That's actually a good strat, like, it, at the end when you're like, all right, mix is good, let's go, like, put on headphones one way, listen through, just put them on the other way, listen through again. Seems like it'd fix it. Or uh, you could also put um, Ableton's utility on the master and hit that swap button all the time, too.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's like that's kind of the beautiful fuck ups that are in music. You know, I kind of like it. I was like, oh, that's funny, is, you know, and that part of mixing with what you've got the best you can to the point where it works. You know, you're always questioning your mixes, you're always questioning if something's good or done or all that kind of stuff. But at some point, I just, you know, A being something else that I know of my own that's that sounds good and, and works on a system and everything. And I'm like, fuck it, that's where I'm at today, you know, and, and that's it. Mm. Instead of back to that thing of having every part of my hearing and everything being perfect and knowing that it's perfect and still not being able to get it, you know, or something that would mm-hmm. bum me out. But I'm, um, yeah. Even
1: with what I would consider pretty decent hearing and pretty decent like critical listening awareness and stuff like that, I still say, and think that most of my mixing process is visual anyway, like looking at meters and stuff like that. And I just don't think there's any way around that. Like your ears are always just shit in terms of like, like you can't listen to something and be able to hear the brightness and be like negative three, that's where the sub is. It's like no fucking way. You need to look at a meter for that shit.
0: It's funny you say that because I do the complete opposite. I don't look at any meters ever.
1: Oh, really? What about like to check phase correlation, anything like that?
0: I mean, occasionally if I'm confused, but no, like just mm. it's just that's probably comes from the thing of like, I just have to trust that ear in a way, you know, right. and and probably would make me confused if it looked like something else was going on. And I was not hearing that.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And that would be, you know, I, I, it's probably stemmed from the time when I just had to go with what I had. Um, I am now getting more into doing um, a bit more metering and, and because I'm probably more comfortable with, with, with you know, my hearing and where it's been for a long time now. But at the start, it was like, sounds good. Feels good. Let's go.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, that's, that's kind of where I started as well. And then I, I noticed that after I started um, being a little bit more uh, like m- when I started using meters a little more it was just a lot faster to get a mix done. Mm-hmm. Like there'd be mm-hmm. times where I wasn't using meters and I'd be like, fuck, this track's just not sounding done. And I'd sit on it for like six months and then mm-hmm. come back to it and be like, oh, it doesn't have like enough sub or something, you know, and then it would become obvious to mm-hmm. me after after like sitting on it for so long. Now mm-hmm. with metering and just referencing and stuff, it's your brain is, Shit. yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I think um, especially with referencing, like not even using meters, but using other tracks and just going between the two, your brain is just especially good at playing spot the difference in going like, oh, that one's that's just what I do or that one, yeah, exactly. So that's that's a form of metering, I suppose. I just... guess.
0: Okay, so yeah, 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 I, I, A, B, like, I'll, I'll be, you know, a third of a way through what is likely to be the length of making the song, and I'll bounce the drop, four bars, and I will take it into QuickTime or whatever, and I'll just bang it against a bunch of tunes really quickly, and then I'll go back in and keep working on it, and I do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, just to almost feel like the tune is a complete thing. This is what it feels like so far, and yeah, I'm, that's that's definitely part of my process for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. Your brain is so good at doing that. Like just listening to two things and being like, that one's brighter, or that one's like bassier, mm-hmm. or that one's more wide. It's or, yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. So the i, weird I thing's always tell funny. People, I, I used I used tools early on, like a lot of spreaders and and phasing and and chorusing and things like that, to really try and get width. Without really knowing how wide things were, and a lot of people would tell me my music's really wide, but still punchy and has that Mm. kind of thing, but didn't really know. You know, I guess for having that one ear, I was trying to make it sound wider (laughs) for one ear.
1: (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah, it's funny. Do you ever uh, use just one speaker as well, or do you kind of have to have the other speaker there as well so you can like get the? I I noticed it. Like
0: I. I, Yeah, and you can feel it. Like if you're in a room and you've got one speaker coming from one direction, you yeah. you, you know, even with basically hearing in one ear, you know, that's only one coming. You know, it's totally. not all just going in here. You feel everything. You know, it's you know, it is. It's all about the energy and about what it feels like too. And sometimes you don't know what you've heard. Um, you know, you you feel it. It's that's mm. what music is. It's such a good you know a thing for feeling. And so. I notice, you know, and and when someone, it's mainly when there's a bit of noise in the background. Someone will say, "Hey," on this side of my bad ear, and it'll bounce off a wall on this side, and I'll turn that way, thinking i said <laughs> over there. Like that's where I yeah. won't pick it up. Right. But you know, if I'm in a quiet quiet space and someone says something, I, I'll know something's coming from over there too. You know, you can right. really still pick it up. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. really good hearing. And I guess that's part of your brain adapting, and your body adapting, and and. Yeah, I guess I read lips a lot, but I don't really notice it anymore, you know? It just mm. becomes part of it, and so I am.
1: Yeah, I noticed... Uh, well, I, I listened to a podcast um, about somebody who didn't know that they had hearing loss until uh, COVID, and then when everybody started wearing masks, they realized they couldn't hear shit. You know, oh, yeah. Like they, they didn't realize they were reading lips all the time until COVID.
0: Yeah. I guess you know it, too. Like, Australians and New Zealanders speak a lot faster than Americans, so it can be faster, hard to hear, and we just,
1: slur words and we don't finish words and
0: imaginary use, things
1: <laughs> yeah exactly make up words and I shit <laughs> <can't>. yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah I find I find that America's a lot easier to understand but I, I never really had trouble with it so it's not something I've really even I don't think about it at all anymore to be honest like right then mm-hmm. so the, the shape of my ears changed to the point where this ear pod was starting to fall out and mm-hmm. I wasn't even noticing that it was you know getting further away in terms of sound or whatever but Yeah, I don't really know. I don't think about it at all anymore until like I get asked about it or I'm in a room where I've got to really think about it. But it's not even, yeah, it's not even a thing. But that's a long journey.
1: Yeah, yeah, I bet. Well, yeah, still interesting, I think, to hear from your perspective because obviously, like, I mean, your mixes are insanely good and your music sounds insanely good. So it's just, yeah, it's. I think it's both inspiring and interesting, you know, for people to be like, well, fuck, I got two working years and Oscar's doing this with one working year. Like, I could do this. (laughs) Sure, I mean,
0: if it's inspiring, that's great too. But it is just, you know, like when you really get past the idea that it's, that it's all about i guess that's the understanding of how an ear works too it's all about what you're hearing it's like well no it's about the energy of the music or you know i guess what you've put together becomes the intention of the music too and you know all these things that are subconsciously done inside music that is all about what you're doing at the time and how you're feeling and the choices you've made to make it what it does you know what it will do that impacts people too and that can sound better and you know it's i think it's it's both conscious and subconscious music. It's it's insane. We don't fully know it.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah, I, I, I often think I sort of suck a lot of the life. Like my whole process, I think, is making a song, the raw initial version. I'm always like, this is sick. And then I suck all the life out of it with production <laughs> right. shit. And then I come back to it over and over again, basically undoing all of that. Uh, to make it essentially what the raw version was again, but slightly better than what the raw version initially was. I I was chatting with Hero Bust, and and he said, if I don't hate it um, and if I think, oh, this is fucking awesome, then he knows it's not done. And I feel like I have a very similar thing with music. Like the very first version, I'm like, this is so sick. I know it's not done Mm. at that point. Like, yeah, I I have to come Mm. back to it and be like, I fucking hate this song and I cannot listen to it anymore and just be done with it. And that's when it's funny, isn't
0: it? Yeah, it's funny because I I always you know send versions around to people early on and they'll they'll hit me saying, me. I like version one and I'm like listening to version one like no, but like all these things are wrong. They're like yeah, doesn't <laughs> feel like it flows as good or something. And yeah, there's there's a part of that. I, but but it's weird because if you you know if you never heard version one, would you hate that version you've just done? You know, like you, you, there's no there's no reference point then, and, and would you then be like fuck version 17, shit and I'm gonna make version thirty-five? You know always going to keep going or is it like if you heard version 17 and you weren't a part of it, are you going to think it's amazing?
1: One thing I've espoused a lot on this podcast and people probably get sick of hearing this theory is that um, one thing I've had to get over is the fact that effort does not equal value. Like the value of music is literally just how the end user listening to it appreciates it. And they don't give a fuck about how much effort and time it took. Whereas you as a producer can throw in like 10 hours on one thing, but a thousand hours on another thing. And you will almost always be like the 1000 hour thing is better than the 10 hour thing because you, you, were, uh, you know how much effort it took and you know, like how much crafting I took and how much mix work it took and how much deliberation you did over it and stuff. And therefore you're like, but this one, like I put so much effort in and like, therefore, like I, you're so biased to liking that one more. Versus like something that you made in like 30 minutes that somebody isn't having some end user experience who doesn't know how much of that pain and deliberation went into it would have. Um, and therefore, yeah, those opinions, I think, from other people can be really useful in that way because they're, mm-hmm. they're completely removed from that bias of, of all that effort that you put in. Though, yeah, and it's also, all, you know, it
0: comes down to that idea, right? Like the, the initial idea is what carries the, the whole thing. You know, if the idea is incredible... You know, think about some of that music from back in the day that the mix is terrible, but the idea is fucking amazing. Mm. And it's going to far outlast something that has been sculpted over two years, written by 140 people, you know, all these things and putting all this energy into it and the essence and the core of it is not there. It's it's It'll, it'll be lasting a lot longer. I think about it a lot. I, you know, my biggest songs probably have been some of the quickest to write. Um, not always, but sometimes. Yeah.
1: Mm, yeah i mean Funny. i i have i think in my top spotify one of them i wrote in 45 minutes in a k-hole and the other one oh, i that's was, so quick <laughs> yeah yeah and the other one was a song that i went back and forth with so down on for like over a year and a half <laughs> like we were doing a mm. session on it every two weeks for about a year and a half so that one probably has hundreds and hundreds of hours in it um so yeah
0: are you then it's funny do you think that like are you, are you then trying to create a cool idea was there anything at the start like it's a such a weird some days you just write something and it's like you write six songs and yeah one of them is just there's something magic about it and mm. that's
1: you write six songs in a day no I mean
0: I'm, I'm, I'm good for like I'm good for one a day to get a really good idea out in that day uh-huh. for sure and then it really varies what I do afterwards, how long it will take. Um, mm. Some longer form projects will be so, you know, you spend so much time making them trying to fit together too. So that can be part of the, you know, if you didn't need to do that, maybe you would have probably finished it quicker and it wouldn't need to be as, you know, um, reliant and, and matching of everything else. But yeah, no, I can get a good idea out in a day for sure. Yeah. Like
1: a whole song, like playable.
0: Oh yeah, definitely.
1: Hmm. So, yeah. You, in theory, could write, well, like thirty albums a
0: year. <laughs> no, because I feel like I feel like there's just little spurts of of inspiring time that's that's valuable, and then there's other times where it's like, you know, I've got better at when I'm not feeling it that day. I don't try and go in the studio. Um, and don't force myself to do something because I feel like that later on will feel like it might get me more, more distracted or more down about not being able to do it now or, you know, mm. hating everything I just did recently because realistically I should have just taken time and gone and done something else, come back when I'm rocking and then everything else you kind of do, you're, you're stoked about whether it's quality or finished in you know a week or a good idea in a day or not, you're still positive about being in the studio. Whereas some days I'm like, this just isn't the day, you know, and I'll go do something else. Hmm. Um, and you know, there's other things often I'll do, um, artwork or I'll do, you know, other things that are beneficial to the project, but not necessarily sit there and try and be creative or I might mix something a bit for a bit and then that will get me creative. And Yeah. Definitely learned that over the years.
1: Yeah, totally. There's also like value, in doing other things that aren't music as well. Like, for instance, if I have to walk through my kitchen every day to get here to my studio and the kitchen is just, like, organized in a weird way or there's, like, shit all over the bench or something like that, and every time I see it, it just, like, fucks with my head a little bit, there's value in taking a day off to fix that problem if I have to walk through there every day to get to the studio as well. Um, Though also I don't think it's necessarily healthy to think about everything in terms of what helps me make better music all the time as well. You know, like sometimes it's health- healthier no. to think about like life in other ways other than just music production, which is fucking hard. Cause like when that's your life and that's like the entire way you make money and stuff, then obviously there's a lot of uh, value put on that thing. And a lot of value it is your put life. on the it is your ability life, but to it's be reliably not. doing
0: that thing. Yeah, absolutely. It is your life, but it isn't completely you though. You know, you have so many right. facets and amazing things about you that, are sometimes neglected because we love what we do so much, and we we put so much value on it for for earning us money and giving and affording us the life we have and supporting our families and doing all that sort of stuff. But actually, most of the things that maybe benefit you that day have nothing to do with it. And you just I find sometimes to be able to step outside of that mindset that okay, actually today to go to something else will be so much more beneficial to me. And then when I'm good, everything else is good, you know it's been, it's been a, a good journey to learn
1: that. Yeah. There's a theory called compassionate selfishness where you be selfish so you can be more useful for other people. Yeah. Which I, I think you can think of music production and other things surrounding it a little bit in that way too, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. how's, how's living in Byron Bay by the way, cause I know you live there now, right?
0: Yeah. I live about half an hour out of Byron. Um, it's beautiful. Um, it's a whole different world than being on the road and 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 being in cities. I do really miss cities um, and just the the insane energy that they bring. But um, you know, raising kids um, in in certain places in the world can have its benefits and drawbacks. And and for now, this is a big benefit um, to to them just growing up in a, an awesome environment. Um, and then there's times where you know, I guess I guess if I when I couldn't travel for, for COVID times, uh, I just sunk myself into, into the property and, and, you know, we have eight acres here. And, um, it was fucking awesome. I learned to build and just learn other skills that were just great for me. I grew up on a, on a, on a, on a property when I was young and, um, it was, it was nice to get back to that. And then when it came back on and being able to leave and go and get injections of going to the city is really important too, because I need both, you know, I can't just live in the country and, and um, But we're really fortunate, you know, this area is, um, has great food and great markets and, you know, awesome weather and, and things like that to, to live in that world. Um, and I don't find it too hard to remove myself and there's less distractions too, so I can sit in the studio for, for longer periods and, and mm. um, you know, I do miss going to shows sometimes, but we, we drive to Brisbane and, and go to shows, you know, every month for sure.
1: Nice. Were you affected by the floods? Mm
0: physically here, no. Um, the property goes down, and there's a creek uh, where the bridge goes across on the property to get out, and um, that doesn't really go over at all, but it did during those big floods. But um, no, everywhere around here did, for sure. So so, yeah, so you got like, stuck on no, that
1: property for a period of time?
0: Yeah, for a few days, yeah.
1: Okay, well, that's not but, too
0: bad. But, like, yeah. That was absolutely fine compared mm-hmm. to, you know, obviously the power was out for... Couple of weeks, I think, maybe or no reception or something. I can't remember. But you know, we went and helped out for a couple of days and did what we could. Once we could leave here, and and then yeah, it was like pretty traumatic for a lot of people. Yeah, sure.
1: it was fucking epic from the sounds of it. My my mum, dad, and brother up in Oakhurst, which is like sort of um, it's in Queensland somewhere. I think it's it's near Harvey Bay. They they got oh, yeah. um. They didn't get affected by it either, but like Harvey Bay all went under and stuff and they went down there and mm. my brother was literally in a boat sending me videos, <laughs> just like mm. cruising around in a boat in Harvey Bay. And there's like, you could see houses and shit where he's just like cruising mm-hmm. next to him in boats. And I was like,
0: what the? It, it's definitely changed the like baseline of, of people's probably, I'm assuming their, you know, understanding of being set for life or like, you know, nothing can affect us here. Or, you know, when you get something, you know, I've I've always had the feeling of like uh, nothing's permanent, you know, I don't know where that came from or what it was, but it it was always like things are really good right now. Awesome. Let's make the most of it. And, you know, this might not last or whatever it is. And that can be a good feeling and also a a disruptive feeling, but I kind of always felt like that for wherever I was, but yeah, it's, it's definitely changed perspectives of where you live and why you live there and how you live there and all that kind of stuff mm. yeah, yeah for a lot of people
1: yeah yeah i think i got that view from uh spongles nothing nothing lasts but nothing is lost the the great philosopher simon possford
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> straight there
1: Yep. um so you're like how many motorbikes do you have now i remember you sent me a video a while back. <laughs> you're like oh i got a motorbike <laughs> how's motorbike uh, life going
0: Four in the shed at the oh, moment. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, they're not on mine. I have, there's a little Pee 50 for basically for Tyler. Um, we have a CRF 110, which is like a, a pit bike kind of thing. And that was just everyone's for a while. And it's kind of Amali's sort of rides it now. And then we have an electric dirt bike, which is what me and Najee ride the most. And then I have a, a road a bike, a, um, a Bonneville um, T110 um it's like a 900cc road bike which so i don't get to ride much but when i do we live where we live that's another amazing thing around here there's just fucking incredible roads to ride um yeah it's awesome
1: mm. do you mostly ride the dirt bikes and stuff around your property or do you take them to trails
0: yeah no the property's big enough to have fun around here like when uh max ashes was staying here we we're making music we just middle of the day or, you know, in the evening or after dinner or whatever, because we could put some headlights on them. we will just go and fucking hoon around <laughs> on a couple of bikes for like half an hour and then come back to the studio and we'll like reset. But it was yeah. fucking awesome. <laughs> it was like a full reset and and uh I do it a lot. Like if I'm really into something, I won't leave for the whole day, but sometimes I'm just kind of like, what am I doing? Fuck, I'm going to go outside and do something.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I have an electric skateboard too, which is off-road thing to be able to boost around the property. It's like snowboarding it's quite hilly and rolly <laughs> and stuff. So that's sick.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. Did you build any sick jumps out there?
0: Okay. I got like three feet of air that time. Nah. <laughs> um, uh, I, I built a track when we first got the property, like almost five years ago, four and a half years ago. And just the upkeep of it and going away all the time was just yeah. insane. So I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And I go and ride um, a mountain bike too. I go ride. Do you still ride?
1: Yeah, I haven't for a bit, but I when I first moved here, I definitely the thought of building a little pump track out the back crossed my mind. <laughs> I, I yeah. haven't done it, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I need to get yeah, back into it. But yeah, I, I still have my bike and stuff, obviously.
0: Yeah, I miss it, but I don't do it for sure. Um, and just having something small, you know, I rode around the property a couple of couple of times, um, like just different ways and going around. There's a lot of bush and and then lots of. Uh, more manicured grass areas and so to go i went all the way around and a few times and up this really steep hill and i was exhausted you know in 20 minutes or whatever so it was super fun but it'd be awesome to have a track that you can ride but the time and energy and commitment and persistence you need for something like that insane i reckon
1: Oh, yeah, it's in, it's nuts. There's um, a few of the trails that I was riding in Northern California were built over the course of like 15 years. And there's uh, yeah. the people who upkeep them are generally the scouts. So you like donate to the scouts and I don't know, just, oh, yeah. they just keep them good.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, there's a few like on the border between New South Wales and Queensland, there's one called the border trails where people have just gone and made them along the fire break that goes between the border. Mm-hmm. Um and that's, that's dope because it's just quite random. Then there's some really proper like mini ski field, you know, different colored runs properly run by a group and volunteers and you pay your fee every year and stuff like that as well, which is really cool. Um, but i when you're as hardcore as them.
1: <laughs> yeah, trail building is a whole ass thing, man. Like you need to get out there with machinery and then, yeah, the upkeep is a, yeah. definitely a, a weekly, if not – more often job and you've got to like every time it rains go out and like fix it and shit totally especially people are riding when it's raining
0: where we live it's like in summer when because it's a wetter season in summer here uh, and it's dry in winter um so it's warm humid sunny and rains a bit Mm -hmm. so everything grows like crazy fast you know you you, if you wanted to keep your lawns super nice you'd mow them every week easily Mm -hmm. smashing you know this fire every week so I, having trails and things like that just would be insane.
1: Damn. Yeah, yeah. Do I keep, do love it though. I
0: just love getting out and doing for something physical. You know, it's it's awesome for you.
1: Oh, definitely. How do you keep eight acres of grass under control?
0: <laughs> uh, at the moment, Najee mows it um, because she's not uh, working full time, full time, uh, and in full time, full time world. Uh, we would pay someone when I was away a lot to, to mow it, and then during COVID we obviously pulled everything back and I was doing it again. I did it at the start, loved it, and then it got a lot. We've got a mini tractor <laughs> with a mower underneath it, just boost around on that. It's very satisfying and it turns it from this like big sort of piece of land into this like mini botanical gardens It feels amazing to be on and, mm-hmm. and you know, really fills up the um, – I guess just the appreciation cup of like where you live or what you've got to use for that period of time. It's it's awesome.
1: Someone on Twitter was asking uh, how you came up with your name and also how you come up with track titles.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, my name came about, I I was DJing random. So I grew up around festivals and uh, when I was really young, probably. I don't even know, you know, primary school age, so maybe eight, maybe 10 or something. Um, there'd be festivals on my parents' land where I was where I grew up. And as I sort of grew a bit more, I started DJing, like maybe at the beer festival in town when I was 13 or 14 or something. I can't remember the age exactly, probably about 14. Um, and they just put me down as Oscar, and then I played the opening set at this festival probably a year later, and they put it as Oscar, and I was like, I need a name. And I was at school making a a CD cover and I just wrote this in um, and it just looked really balanced. I don't know how I came up with it exactly. Um, Yeah, and it kind of just looked cool. And I nearly changed it thinking people wouldn't be able to spell it or because it had no, like, you know, relatable meaning to someone who didn't know without me telling them Then it needed to have that. And then as it kind of grew, it grew its own meaning, I guess, you know. Um, through people being able to refer to it as something that sounds like that. Um, you know, it sounds like itself um, in terms of the music style and things like that. Um, and it, I guess it worked in my favor too because it's not really like anything else. Mm. But at the time, I had no idea. But I, I would have been 14 or 15. I probably was trying to write opium in on a CD cover and it just looked, I fucked <laughs> it up and it looks funny, you know, or something. I, I don't remember exactly how I got there. Right. Um, but, yeah, it would have been a high school like, what's that, 20-something years ago. Right. It's funny when you think how long. But, yeah, that's that just kind of stuck. And I didn't, I didn't never took it seriously, which was, which was great at the start to be able to make music and play random sets and sometimes play some of my own music, you know, in the very early days, in the high, late high school years and not treat it like I had these dreams of wanting to do it and wanting to have my friends fly around the world and come see me play and do all these kind of things. But it was never like if I don't get to that thing, it's not going to be, you know what i wanted it to be it was just a great thing i love to do and and um track names are the same kind of thing that they're they are meant to have they're meant to be just something random that's either someone said something or you know it just suited it somehow or now it's like i'll just imagine what words come to mind when i hear the song you know um it's kind of how it goes just very mm. random.
1: Yeah, there's a and few. No, no
0: no, intent, no no, not too much intention too behind it. That actually, it's almost like up to you to create what it is. It's not like I'm saying this for this reason. It's just like this sounds kind of funny and cool or whatever, and that's it. Yeah, you know, yeah. it really has never been any more than that.
1: Right, like for instance, Buff Marvin. Who's Buff Marvin?
0: <laughs> Fuck knows, man. <laughs> it's kind of like I think it was a saying like when we were young calling someone a bit of a buff Marvin or something if they're real muscly I don't know it could have been there it's like it's so random from my backlog of experiences in my life that that just pops into your head and then mm. off you you know? there's no I have no what
1: about, idea uh, what about axolotl throttle
0: that was my friend Ruben he he mm. uh he's an amazing uh poet and, and, and an MCN writer and he just one day was listening to some music or something, and he either suggested it or, I, or he'd seen it about something, and I asked if I could use it. Um, that one came from there.
1: Hmm. What about Chubby Putty? The one I remixed?
0: <laughs> it sounded kind of fat and chunky. The the song, I guess. I don't know. That was a Beats antique, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: What about Patchouli I just kind of like I kind of like truck.
0: It's
1: <laughs> <laughs> another good one.
0: was uh, that sample in the middle about? Like, what does it say? I can't remember. I don't know. It's it's like <laughs> it's kind of meant to just have some humour in there that removes you from the music too. You know, like because right. it kind of it almost opens up you to be like already happy when you're going to listen to it. Mm-hmm. I guess as well, if there's any intention. But I, <laughs> often it's just I think that it sounds cool and looks funny. Right.
1: This is a, an Australianism yeah. that probably a lot of people listening to this podcast don't know. Off chops. That just uh, that just means you're oh, yeah. drunk as fuck or high as fuck. Basically, if if someone's like really uh-huh. really fucked up, you're like, oh, cunts off chops. It's fucking <laughs> off
0: chops, mate. <laughs> or if something is like
1: extremely sick, you're like, dude, that was. I guess. Like if a party is real sick, you're like, dude, that party a, was
0: off chops. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, when you think about it, if you look at it just as a, as a what it is, it's just some fucking stinky meat off chops.
1: <laughs> I suppose so. I don't think. Do we even call chops chops in America? Like a uh, lamb chop, I suppose. I, about
0: America. I don't America. Lamb chops is very much what they call it here. Mm. I don't even know if there's a chop over there. Never. Here they have
1: chop shops, which is, I think, like where you go to get your car unnumber plated and unvin numbered. Oh, yeah. Or something like that. that... do they
0: call, like, like. Uh... Oh, no.
1: A chop shops are butcher. Never mind.
0: Because I think. Only... Oh, right. Yeah. What, over there?
1: Oh, no, sorry. It is a place where stolen automobiles are stripped for sellable parts. I just Googled chop shop and the first thing that came up was like an Atlantan butcher. But uh, I guess the next thing that came up... Well, the next thing that came up was was an automobile shop for stripping parts. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to talk about boganus proteinus or whatever it's called, (laughs) um, which a lot of people also wouldn't understand here. Like a bogan... Is a uh,
3: yeah,
1: uh, it's hard, hard to explain. I mean, people are like you try to explain it, and people are like, Oh, like a redneck, and you're like, No, they're, they're very different to rednecks, but they are sort of, nah. of this, yeah, they're like their own class. And there's like also a thing in Australia called a cub, which is a cashed up bogan. Oh. That's a whole different thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. right. Thing. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: there's a whole subreddit, yeah. I mean, the bogans, bogans, up bogans aren't
0: necessarily going to be people you would not associate with, you know, it's not like oh. some other class, it's like you're just a bit bogan, it's a bit more like a a like you're a, a bit more into yeah <laughs> so you're a bit more into something or something that it means doesn't mean that's the sort of subculture of people you fit into or any of that it just you you know it's yeah mm-hmm. i think it's fucking great whereas in new zealand when i grew up bogan was probably more referencing you know um black singlet type black jeans kind of go to the pub where's you know coming here going to the pub in australia was like you know, moved to Melbourne and, and going to the pub was where everyone went, you know, like it wasn't just this sort of small town thing that had the locals that turned around and looked at you when you walked in, it was like pretty fancy and, and good beer and good food, you know um,
1: Melbourne's like yeah. an anomaly though, you know if you oh, look at most of Australia like the-
0: yeah, I mean the pub, pub's are a cent- centre, central socialising force of some towns, right, like that's where everyone goes, it's the only thing to do yeah, I don't know why it evolved into that. Which now they're like the most expensive real estate in the town, and serve high-level meals. Like where I live, they just—it's insane. What you know, you go to the local pub, and it's just so expensive. It's, you, know, you wouldn't go there if you had a choice of you know just going having a beer somewhere. It's a lot cheaper, grass.
1: Mm. Yeah, Australia is really expensive, isn't it? It's like seems to have gotten extremely expensive um, over the years
0: yeah i mean it depends what for like i feel like in reference to what you reckon food and just life like uh, i think general
1: general cost of living yeah i think the housing is more expensive i think the food and everything is more expensive i think in general people earn less money uh i mean at least from, from 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 my experience uh that was that was my experience with australia it might not be everyone's experience uh so I might just be talking about yeah, my But where in, you are, in, like, in general, I feel like the amount of money I had there versus how much shit cost was way different to here. And I think it, it might just be because I own yeah. way more money in America. But I, I don't know. I feel like here, like it, it's my funny, money like situation America seems a lot better.
0: Sure, yeah. I mean, it, there's not like bad hidden fees or something. But, you know, you go out for dinner in the States and then you've got that tip on on the end hmm. and the tax, right? So you've got an extra however much 15 20 30 bucks who knows how much you've spent mm. and that's built into the fee here so at the front you, what you see is you know what you get and that might seem like the same thing hourly wages i think are probably more here um mm. in the base level but people probably earn more at the top level there for sure mm-hmm. i feel like it sort of works itself out like when we were um, doing a trip with the family it was the first time i noticed how expensive just going out for meals were because there was suddenly four of us and if the kids got something didn't eat, it it was like you know it, it really um you weren't just looking after yourself and knowing what you are doing it was like suddenly there was tip and tax and things on top of that that just like exploded once there's four people eating
1: oh you're talking um, about when you brought you brought your kids to america yeah gotcha okay
3: and yeah. then that's
0: okay mm-hmm. i see it was just a different experience because you know i'd, I'd been able to keep track of it for years for myself and mm-hmm. um yeah but australia is expensive in some places i mean then you know there's certain things where you don't have a healthcare fee you know you don't need okay. health insurance you don't need things like that which can be a big part of your income as well mm. depending where you are you can't have it for private healthcare, but a lot of people don't yeah i mean it's totally it can be expensive and it can also be a lot easier it depends where you live too like around here there's there's not a lot of housing because there's a lot of people would come in and there's a lot of uh, short-term rentals and and all that kind of stuff being a very desirable popular coastal town of byron Bay nearby um, people are demanding paid a lot more because rent is so expensive um, mm. and then so there's not enough people to work in the restaurants and cafes and you know living here w- is probably one of the most expensive um, but yeah I guess that's a lifestyle thing isn't it, as well
1: yeah definitely buying a house in Sydney I think at this point is like you need a million dollars to even get your foot in the door there.
0: Totally, I mean that's that's where a lot of cities are hitting over there too, right? Like it's.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's that's I, part I of did. why I moved to Atlanta is because you can get a house here. I mean, this house you, that you I'm bought, living in. Yeah, you I bought, bought that this. One? Yeah, I did. That's it was four awesome. four hundred and twenty grand. So it was like not that bad at all. It's a good
0: number.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's fucking whereas, great. A lot of cities that I was looking at when I was um, trying to yeah. buy a house for the same amount of square footage and bedrooms and like close to an airport and like just all the same basic shit that I, that I have here yeah. was definitely closer to a million for sure.
0: Oh, fuck yeah. I mean, and it's weird that, that like, you know, wages have not accre- increased and expenses have increased and house prices have e- exponentially increased. You know, mm. the, the idea of affording a house in your lifetime for so many people was impossible. Oh, that's awesome! I love Atlanta, man. That's
1: fucking cool. Yeah, I like it a yeah. lot too. Have you um, have you ever watched Mr. Beast on YouTube? You know who that guy is.
0: He's I like, know who the guy is. I haven't watched it. No, I know who yeah, you're talking yeah. about. I know. Yeah, I've I was, watched maybe one video in the past.
1: whatever. Yeah. yeah, I was just watching it last night, so it's like recent in my mind. And we're talking about houses. Isn't he's he just like,
0: like spending insane amounts of money on every. <laughs> it's video fucking ridiculous,
1: yeah. dude. He has um, like 127 million subscribers, so he's the most subscribed channel now. I think maybe even more than PewDiePie. But yeah, he all his videos get like hundreds of millions of views. And yeah, pretty much every every video he just gives someone a house and like gives someone a Lambo and like also it's fucking crazy. Like his last video he was like putting Lambos in hydraulic presses and crushing them and insane. What? Like he he'll he'll spend like three, four million dollars on a video and just like basically make it back in the amount of views that he gets. But yeah. Just
0: because
1: of ads. I guess so, man. I don't know. And views, cause like I mean, um, you have a thing on YouTube called CPM, which is like your clicks, uh, sorry, how much you get paid per thousand views. Most people's CPM I wanna say is like somewhere between five and fifteen bucks, depending on like the standing of your YouTube channel. So if you're getting like a mm. hundred and something million views and you do the math on like five bucks per thousand views or something like that, you know, it's making five hundred I don't know I can't do maths but yeah a lot of money Mm. (laughs) five million per video roughly or something so he can like blow Mm. three and a half million on a video still make Mm. two million or something he gave (laughs) he gave someone a fucking island in a video like someone who was just subscribed to him he just like gave them an island What bought an island and gave gave him an island (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. It's, it's out what of control. reality. He's 24 yeah, as well. It's fucking out of control. Wow. So, uh, yeah, you, youtubing talking. has gotten to a new level like that. Um, those yeah. Logan, Logan Paul and Jake yeah, Paul, yeah, like yeah. now that Jake Paul dude's like a fucking professional fighter. He just beat Anderson Silver in a fight. Mm-hmm. Mental.
0: Yeah, I was always when I, I remember seeing that first one that he did. That's all I've watched. But thinking he was just going to get smashed because I didn't really know he could fight. But he is good.
1: Yeah, I guess he's doing okay now. Yeah, um, Yeah, his brother, yeah, <laughs> Logan Paul, is like, I think, all about to get canceled and shit because he's just keeps being a sus cunt around animals. Like, there was that video what? where he walked into the forest and like videoed himself with somebody hanging in that Japanese uh, suicide forest and almost got canceled for oh, that shit. and then put an apology out. And then there was another video of him where he just like was tasing a rat. And then another video where he was just holding dude. this fish and, like, dragging it through water and, like, I think killed the fish. And then he bought a pig and then, uh, like, just basically... trying he's the- just doing
0: all the shit to try and get attention on YouTube?
1: No, I think he's just, like, a... Just being a weirdo. Psychopathic dude, yeah.
0: yeah
1: um, Anyway, tangent. Uh, what do you like more, pancakes <laughs> or
0: waffles? <laughs> Never yeah. understood waffles, pancakes for sure.
1: What about yeah. the so holding really capability of a waffle?
0: Yeah, you know what? Honestly, they crystallize too fast. Most of the time, I've had them. Um, if you're putting in, like, maybe I just never had a good waffle. I never understood chicken and waffles. You know, that doesn't make sense. Um, sweet chickeny thing. Um, but I probably never had a, a good enough one to to have my mind blown. You know, pancakes are just such a staple for us here. You know, they didn't. Waffles, no. Crepes are around a little bit. But, yeah, the whole idea of, I think, Tyler, uh, three, she's three. She has uh, healthy banana, oat kind of stuff, pancakes every morning nearly, and it's just like normal food, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: It's,
0: it's but waf- Waffles are like, I think we got a waffle maker at some point with the idea that we're going to use it a lot more, but never did.
1: You yeah, yeah. ever had sourdough uh, waffles? No. Or sourdough pancakes. Amazing. Yeah, they're really good. If you get a starter going, like a sourdough starter, which is basically you just get like flour and water, mixed together, just leave it sitting in a bowl for a week until it starts getting all fermented and gross. Mm. And you just keep refeeding it with new flour every day so the the yeast gets into like a cycle of, like a daily cycle of growing and shrinking. And then just use that Mm. like naturally occurring yeast for your waffles. Um, Mm. It's pretty good. They get so. all like Yeah, they get yeah. nice and thick and fluffy and also have that kind of like sour taste to it, you know?
0: Yeah, I can imagine. I can, in my mind, imagine a fucking incredible one that's all puffy and epic. <laughs> I need one now. You got me thinking.
1: Get a, get a starter going. They're, they're not that hard. Uh, <laughs> the, the good thing about baking and what I really like about it is it's a really good effort to reward ratio, you know? Like to make a starter, it's really like, 30 seconds of effort, but you just have to wait for like a few days and then you put in like another 30 seconds of effort and you wait for a few days. It's like a lot of waiting, but not Mm. much effort.
0: Nice. Do you still make bread?
1: I do, yeah. Not as often as I used to, but I'm starting to get back into it now. Mm. Yeah, I went through, um, which I've talked about on this podcast already, like a pretty gnarly drug addiction thing. So like my ability to look Mm. after anything, including myself, was like not Mm. not, uh, very good for the last sort of six to 12 months. So my starters just mm. all died and stuff like that. Mm.
0: How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good today, yeah. Uh, definitely nice. a lot better, yeah. I've been, actually, today, let's see. That's um, awesome. Days, yeah. Today is actually 90 days, so three months.
0: Wow, that's yeah. fucking epic. Mm-hmm. Are yeah, you a- a- and, uh, Oh, man, that's so next level.
1: Congrats. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, definitely is relieving to not have that constant thing in my brain just like pinging me to go like do the thing, do the thing, do the thing. Mm. So fucking pain in the ass, man, to like wake up and be like, I don't want to do the thing, but like I have to because I feel like I'm getting suffocated by this fucking urge, and then mm. constantly just doing it. And yeah, I was probably going yeah, wow. to if I didn't get out out of that hole, I think I was probably going to kill myself <laughs> in the next year or something. Oh man, yeah, it was rough for sure. Yeah. Oh, fucking,
0: here's to your new adventure. That's
1: awesome. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely taking like a zero tolerance approach to it now. Like, in my Mm. mind, I've just put a barrier up. Like, can I possibly do that again?
3: No. No. And
1: also, I think like being really public about it as well as like giving me a new level of accountability. Because if I fuck up now, it's like I look incredibly Mm -hmm. foolish to so many people. Whereas before, Mm -hmm. it was like a little secretive. So I could like feel like I could get away with it a little bit, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. wow crazy
1: yeah Um. so what are you up to for the rest of the day because it's pretty early though for you now still right
0: yeah uh, I was actually just going to jump back into doing music Um. I started some music with Ashes a dude a really awesome dude from New Zealand I was going to try and finish some of that mm. um, start some new random stuff if I wasn't feeling one of those today Um. yeah I've just kind of post album post you know working on something for so long also the insane intensity of coming back to touring after that break was not what I expected, and and had a pretty decent but also pretty crazy year in my head for for uh, because of that and being really tired and and missing my family and all the different things that come with it. Um, so making music outside of that reality too is, is really cool, but it was really cool also to do it inside of it and use music as a as a Emotional vent in a positive way. It's really cool. So, yeah, I was going to make music. Um, that was my plan for today, actually. Make music.
1: Nice. Uh, yeah, because
3: you, yeah. you just did a stream. Some- sometimes or...
0: that can be hard.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
3: That can be,
0: sorry, it can be really hard just to be like, fuck, I make music today. Hmm. I don't have to do anything else. Like, just that idea sometimes is like, what? Yeah. Talk to you and make music.
1: Nice. Mm. Um,
0: um, I did just do some shows yeah, in New Zealand.
1: All oh, right. Yeah. I thought you did some in America too recently, didn't you?
0: Um, I've, yeah, well, I mean, recently as in October was probably the last, that was the last run.
1: Oh, gotcha. Okay. So um, a while
0: back. I did a lot of shows th- for the last year. Um, and yeah, I mean, that last run leading up to that, learned how to run the lasers and, and things like that from stage and, and really, create start to create the show i've always dreamed of creating you know like really being able to combine a look and a feel but then also you know do things like being able to write for an orchestra and and do a show like that and now i want to put all that shit together and make it where it's like multiple layers of musicians multiple layers of ability to do things on stage being able to control and and fuck with the video and the music and the lasers all from stage and make it look and sound fucking epic. Mm. Um, so that end of that tour was really, you know, my production manager, Matt, came up with a way to do it. It was really simple so I could just be on an airplane and have written something new and just go and be able to create little loops that I could launch or full song loops for laser cues or however, however I want to do it for that song um, and be able to play it on the fly or, or let it run, depending on what I was doing on the drum machines or all that kind of stuff. So that last tour was like a a technical adventure that that worked mm. um, that was that was awesome
1: yeah yeah your video at infrasound which is i think the last time i saw you play um i think g jones also played that night and charles played that night as well uh Mm-mm. the video for that was fucking awesome it was like extremely colorful and i think from memory you
0: told me you'd been making
1: those in after effects right
0: so uh that time i probably just started using after effects i think when was that? That was the, what time of year was it? It was like. 2021. Oh, that's right. It was, at the, it was in like October or something, right? It was,
1: yeah, whenever I when right. yeah in almost.
0: That was when I'd started learning it, yeah. And I uh, had uh, some video from a guy, Sasha, um, Slovenian legend um, that I'd edited and was just starting to learn how to really kind of create my own things um, as well. But now it's like got to the point where I can make make a song and and have an idea in my head and pretty much get that idea out visually as well, hmm. um, which was a big thing too. Because being a control freak, you want to have a, a vision for it as well. You know, like when I can hear, you know, I have I don't have synesthesia, but I definitely feel like I finish a song, close my eyes, and I can I can see the color and see the. The feeling of the, you know, visual aspect of the song.
1: Mm, that's chromesthesia. And then I mean.
0: be able to go create
1: it. Uh, so si- is it? Yeah. So I found this out recently, or oh, okay. a little while ago. Synesthesia is just when two. Uh, Senses connect
0: Oh yeah When you see one thing From another Yeah, It doesn't
1: yeah. Yeah, it kind of, yeah It doesn't even necessarily Need to be seeing Like you could smell something And taste something At the same time Or yes, smell something right. or hear something Or smell something totally. hear something Taste something
0: One sense One sense Just, is influencing Another Yeah exactly the yeah, yeah. Yeah. And,
1: yeah. and the one where you hear something And then see colour Is a uh, chromesthesia Okay
0: Yeah that definitely happens I used to like When I was The early days Like slurp and giggle days Actually going back to that I reckon I remember thinking about it A while ago uh, Robo Booty was right at the time when I'd be making a sound and doing a thing and the album was coming along and I didn't have that song done and that one came about in a day. Um, Just had somehow the sounds fell together and everything happened because I'd already been, you know, got my bass sound down, I got my drum sounds down and being to put it together. But in that period of time, I would sit at the back of the room and listen to the songs, close my eyes, and if I started seeing shapes bouncing around and was not, you know, distracted by that, By the music, and I could just get lost in that. That was when I knew the song was done, (laughs) and that was kind of like this this thing that would happen every time. And if I wasn't seeing those shapes, there's something something up with the music, you know. Interesting. Yeah.
1: What was it usually that was up with the music?
0: It would just be like a transition, or it'd be like it would go to another section, and it wouldn't Mm. develop enough, or it would you know just feel like it stagnated on something. Mm. You know, it's more about more about that kind of stuff. For right, sure. Just
1: something that would pull you out of just the ability of being able to sit yeah. back and enjoy it, and see, having it seem natural. Totally. No. Yeah. 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 Totally.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's that's exactly what it is. When it feels finished, it's like it naturally goes about its way.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. Right. It's like it's you, left
1: you've you. gotten out of the way of the yeah. song, and the song's just doing its thing, kind of.
0: Exactly. Yeah. That's it. Like once you release music, it's not yours anymore. You know, it's it's everyone else's to interpret and. I feel like it feels like that. Once it goes away, it doesn't even look or feel the same. It's it's doing its thing out mm-hmm. there. Um, yeah, you're just the vessel.
1: <laughs> We're all just anomaly, low probability <laughs> organic being floating <laughs> in the eternal mist of uh, time and
0: <laughs> joy and experience. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> well, sick. No, dude. Well, hey man, I appreciate you coming on. Podcast, so it was uh, good. Good to chat with you for a bit. Good to catch up. And um, when yeah. are you back in the states?
0: Um, in like four weeks, I fly um, and do um, a couple of shows in the states, and I go to Costa Rica uh, and do Envision. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm back a few times already. Yeah, so four weeks. I'm going to just work my ass off on some new music and. Video and things like
1: that. Damn, yeah, you fly over to the States yeah. multiple times a year, don't you?
0: Um, yeah, multiple, multiple. Yeah. I try not to, like, it depends on the, the length of time between shows and things like that um, and the style of touring, but you can't control that a lot of the time. So it's mm. it's whatever, it's however I need to be there, however long, whenever. Yeah. Do you ever consider um, just moving? Yeah, totally. Mm. I mean, that's a much bigger reality with family. Well, yeah, totally. Um, yeah when you, you need to be pretty sure. You know, we've, we've talked about it, absolutely, and we'd love to. We just have to figure out how. And mm-hmm. um, You know, I love this life here and I love my life there and the kids love the air as well and they love it here. So it's like, you know, we're in a very, very fortunate reality where we, we love being in both places. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, you know, it's good to explore all options, mm-hmm. you know.
1: Yeah. I feel like flying back and mm. forth Uh when I, I, I think the most times I ever did it in a year was twice. And I was like, this is too much. <laughs> I couldn't handle it.
0: I did it eight times last year. Oh, fuck that dude. That's crazy. so fucked.
1: Uh, my lower yeah. back just fucking, <laughs> <You> just... <laughs> <laughs> my lower back is just deleted yeah. thinking about that. Yeah. My, uh...
0: Yeah. It's, it's not easy. I mean, it's, I mean, there's a lot of harder things to do in life. I felt like it was just becoming like getting the bus to work, mm. you know. That's what I just sort of had to treat it like. And You're
1: probably flying like business and, and shit though, right? So it's like a little comfortable.
0: So I never bought business, but I would use my points to upgrade a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And, and now it's a lot harder. It's a lot more expensive to buy just an okay seat. And then to be able to upgrade even harder. So, it's, you know, it's definitely changed like the whole idea of touring has changed completely. Like I feel for people who are just starting out now, you know, the idea that you could used to be able to be paid $500, um, you know, as a support act or, you know, as a, as a act on a, on a bill and things like that. And that would, you know, you'd still earn money now. It's like, you can spend that alone on flights, you know, it's right. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. Flights have gone up a lot since COVID for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I'm hoping it's going to level out for, for everyone and make it easier. Um, to be able to still get around and everything. Um, and you know, people keep coming out and buying tickets to to shows and, you know, I just really want that next generation of people to come up just like stoked and inspired and have the ability to do it. That's like, that's super important. Mm. The other ones who inspire you, you see people doing shit you never thought about and you're like, fuck, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. All right, man. That's really cool. What about you? What are you doing? Oh,
1: uh, Fuck, that's a good question. I mean, I'm trying to put out this, <laughs> I'm trying to put out this remix release for Phantasmagoria, which I've been trying to do for about a year. Um, but it's like it seems like a constant battle. It's like people keep pulling out because they're rebranding and their remix doesn't suit their fucking vision anymore. Other people are pulling out because I've waited too long on my end, and they're like, oh, that remix is too old. I don't want to put it out anymore. People are, yeah, there's been people pulling out, changing names, doing all sorts of shit. So at this point, everyone who pulls out, I'm just like, fuck it. And I've just been VIPing the tunes myself because <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, whatever. I can't be bothered reaching out to people to get new remixes and stuff. So I'm just doing it myself. Um, though there is one remix that I'm waiting to try and get back now. Uh and after I get that back, hopefully that'll be ready to go. So just working on that at the moment. Plus, um, uh, i got a few remixes that I'm doing. Uh, one is for Infected Mushroom. Uh, oh, cool. Another collab with Ganja that I want to finish up real soon. Yeah, a few, few like, bigger collabs and remixes okay. that I want to do. And then after that, mm-hmm. um, the, the plan is to do my next Mr. Bill album, which, like, all the tracks are, like, written. Well, not written, but, like, the ideas are. I mean, I have like 450 whips, like just sitting on my hard drive. So uh, the, the tracks are absolutely there. I just need to figure out which ones. How can
0: you even keep track of that? I like, can't, dude. It's yeah, it's ridiculous. I, I no, that's insane. Are they are they completely different or are they like? So I have them f- extensions from each other, or um, you know?
1: I have them all like folded up. Did you put them together? Yeah, here I'll show you. Uh, so if I share my screen, um. So basically like my Dropbox looks like this and I just have all the project folders like here in different genres basically. Uh, and then if you go into like any of those, there's just like loads and loads of tracks in each genre. <laughs> and then, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, That's and then, insane. Yeah, you know, like dubstep, there'll be like a bunch of dubstep tunes and then whatever, 4-4. Four, four,
0: Fuck, if I've got if I've got like 10 songs on the go at once, I'm like starting to get worried about finishing some. Like, I, I mean, I always have things that I started and never finished and I never look back at them. They just disappear all the time. I reckon I always have, like, a good 10, maybe even 15 kind of on the go and it keeps me... Are you just writing them like, fuck it, I want to do this this day or I want to do this this day? Is it just completely random or are you – I often write like to try and fit it into so my shit this somehow. is like my like,
1: big whips folder and it's, yeah, 342 tunes. This is just like sh- things that I would play at shows and then – Wow. Yeah, it's uh, – yeah, I think I, I have like a problem with just – being like, yeah, fuck it. I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to do that. And I don't have like, Mm. by by the sounds of just chatting with you a bit, it sounds like you're a lot more like focused um, at at being like, all right, I got like these tracks that I want to do or or this track and that vision visually for it. And like this equals this shit in a show or something like that. Whereas I'm sort of just Mm -hmm. like uh, just throwing shit at a wall constantly. And then I don't know, eventually I'll be like, oh, cool. Mm -hmm. These tracks seem like a family, but it usually, honestly, it usually happens when I leave my house and studio for like an extended period of time. So so like if I go on a long trip or something for like mm-hmm. a month, that's usually when album visions and stuff will take shape. And I think it just takes mm-hmm. like walking away from the technical component of it to see that. But obviously oh, I'm totally. fortunate enough to yeah. have that experience of going away for months at a time pretty much like uh, on a yearly basis, if not by yearly basis.
3: Mm.
0: And do you get response to like, I find it like playing them out as soon as I do that you see what works and where it sort of sits people and how it makes people respond as part of it too. Definitely,
1: yeah. If you're playing shows and people often are going off for like a couple of specific tracks, you're like, all right, well, those ones need to come out and be worked on and finished.
0: Totally.
1: Yeah, definitely. Or, you know, mm. um, for instance, the track that played at the end of my podcast, uh, was. Pleasure Seeker, and that was a track that I didn't think was finished and didn't think I'd ever finish, and that's why I put it at the end of my podcast because I was just like, whatever, it's like a B-side track that's just a random beat, Um, and then people asked about it so much that I was like, oh, I should probably put that one out, and that's the one that I was telling you about that I wrote in like 45 minutes in a K-hole. That's like one of my biggest tunes now, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if it's because people Mm -hmm. kept hearing it at the end of the podcast and that's why they liked it because of like familiarity, or if it is just a good tune, I don't know. It's
0: just magic though. You don't even know. It can just sometimes be that fucking magical split second moment that just shit fell in place at the right time. You know, yeah. it's like, I think that shit's cool. I think not knowing is cool too. I not knowing why. And it's, forever hard to, to replicate or to nail that moment again.
1: It fucking drives me insane not knowing.
0: Not cool. knowing
1: what people like and why they like it drives me. It keeps me up at night for sure because I'm like, why the fuck am I not selling out shows and why is this shit selling out shows? You know, it fucking drives me mad. Um Though yeah, I think AI that, a, is going to very yeah. quickly get us out of that hole. Um, AI is going to, I think, very quickly be able to just, I mean, it probably already can. It's just no one in music knows how to do it yet. Um but I think very quickly, like if we get the data that we want from companies like AEG, Spotify, et cetera, and just like run the right AI algorithm on it, it'll it'll just be like do this, this, and this, and you'll be massive. <laughs> and what if AI figures out the task of like getting massive and it goes like, oh shit, the massive thing that was doing crazy well looks like it broke. Two years ago, I better make like a thousand different versions of it so like it doesn't break again, and just makes like a thousand base nectars and goes like, there you go, humans. Sorry, the one broke the other the other time. <laughs>
0: like- <laughs> the AI thing is fucking crazy. I mean, it has to. There has to be a benefit to it in terms of like exploring, you know, all angles of what's possible. And it is weird thinking about like creating something that's just there to be successful you know, like not to be creative. That's fucking nuts. You know, creativity is like, why I love doing this shit. Like it's, it's the essence of it. It's being a kid. It's being fruity or like fun or stepping outside the boundary. You're not supposed to, you know, like all that kind of shit. That's like part of living. And then just being doing something just to be massive. It's pretty crazy.
1: There's an argument though, that that is a form of creativity as well. Right? Like, if you're to be whole, creative
0: about how to get massive.
1: Right. Like marketing people are always you know, coming okay. up against this and having to create like you know, weird campaigns. Oh, absolutely. And, it's all
0: creative. Right. Yeah, like, I'm not saying that's not out, being creative.
1: Like, yeah, yeah. Like figuring out the most clever ways to like infiltrate people's subconscious thing to like make them feel yeah. like they need something and stuff like that. Yeah.
0: I mean, I you know I get my satisfaction when I feel like, majority of what is happening inside of the music is me and all that but yeah there's certainly times where you want to be it to go further or be more successful and Mm -hmm. be creative in those ways for sure Um, as long as the music still speaks yeah
1: do you ever make like a song and then you get to the drop and you're like if I do this little like fake thing on the drop or like fuck with it in this way that'll fuck with people or do things to people's brains in this way or whatever and like in the hopes that it will like Interest people in a certain different way because I think that's essentially the same thing, right? It almost as being like if I run an ad this way, it'll fuck with people's minds in this way and make them want it in a certain way, and if I run an ad this way to this ad set of people and
0: blah blah blah. Probably not more for the outcome, but more for the for the experience, right? Like in a way, like you don't know what the outcome will be when they'll like it or not, or whether it'll make them. You know, it's more for me like in rather darts. for like do, doing something will make people hopefully respond like this for sure. You know, you do think about that all the time. Hmm.
1: Um, And how is that much different? How is that much different to, I'll make people respond like this to an ad set and then running 50 ad sets and finding which one makes them respond more. And then just digging deeper into that versus if you play a certain song live, on the dance floor and you're like, that one worked more out of the other 50 songs I played. And then going back to the studio and digging deeper into that because of that experience that you have with people.
0: Yeah. yeah, That's, that's no different. I'm not saying that there's any difference in that for sure. I mean, I, I feel like whatever the thing is that you do, that you're trying to get across to people and get more of it across and do all that kind of stuff. But I feel like if there's no like initial essence of you creating something and thinking, I want to do this thing and I want to, you know, enjoy that process. And then when it gets to a certain point, how can I make it more adaptable or something? I think that's my favorite part of it. It's just when you get lost in it and there is no real how's this going to be perceived or whatever, it's just like, this is fucking fun. Like you're saying, like the first version is sick and you're like, this is fucking awesome. And I'm stoked, you know, that's like the pure core of it.
3: It's, mm.
0: it's sick. you don't even have to think about where it's going to go or what it's <laughs> going to do or how you're going to do it. It's just like, I fucking love this today.
1: Mm. yeah definitely like as an as a subjective experience to have that is one of the better ones that we can hope to have in this human life
0: mm-hmm. yeah making music fucking awesome
1: <laughs> it is that was one of your latest tweets i looked at your twitter earlier to be like well, oh, yeah know, i think it's like yeah like t- <laughs> the third tweet down on your thing is just music is fun <laughs> it certainly is yeah, that's one of the things I yeah. really love about your your output as well is it's always really positive. I feel like my output all the time is like, fuck this thing. I'm like, I hate this shit. <laughs> and like your output is always just like, this is sick.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't always feel like that. And when you don't, you don't need if you want to, you don't have to say anything or like you, but in general. Um I just feel like, yeah, most of the time I'm pretty grateful for the reality. And I've always, you know, when I was younger, it was always just gonna be my hobby and it turned into my full-time reality and, um, something I could never even imagine, you know, and, and still sort of have to pinch myself at that, that reality, which is grounding and nice and to have other parts of my life too, that it exists to keep me, me. Um, yeah. Uh, I love it. I really Mm. enjoy it.
1: Yeah. It is crazy to be able to do this for a living. I quite often think about that as well.
0: That's craziness.
1: Right. You, you realize exactly how crazy it is when you try to explain it to somebody who absolutely doesn't understand the like industry or anything like, like an Uber driver or whatever, driving you to the airport, you know, like you realize how crazy it is at that level. Or when you try to explain it to like a, like a therapist or like a doctor or something, they're like, wait, you, like why are you having all these issues and shit? And you're like, try to explain to them your job. And they're like, Oh yeah. And like, you just tell them they can't understand it. Um, and can't really empathize with the, the type of problems that come with it and stuff like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it is a really, it's a bit of a breakthrough too when you discover that a lot of those problems are shared by so many that do something similar, you know, like it's not mm-hmm. just you that you're struggling with this or struggling with that or, you know, or finding that the success should feel better, but it doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, or, or the, the failure is, you know, constant sometimes, you know, all those kind of things, but, yeah, it's it's a fucking weird thing to do with your, Dude, with your life. Literally. You know? but it's so rewarding and so challenging and so worthy um, as well. It's nuts.
1: I, I tell people all the time that one of the things that I'm most grateful for is getting off stage at Red Rocks and realizing that all of my problems still exist because <laughs> it, it just <laughs> proves to you that, like, the issue is not – success like if you can play at red rocks which is like kind of the end game in my opinion like thing that you can do Mm -hmm. as a musician like i mean obviously you've headlined it which is a lot different than me playing support there but like just playing on that stage in general is like such a fucking reward Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. if you can get to that level and do that and get off stage and be like fuck my anxiety and depression and existential threat and all of that shit is still totally present and realize that Oh yeah, like nothing that can exist in the physical realm or any reward that I can get will ever fix that. Then the true process of mm. starting to even think about fixing it can begin, which is like a total internal. Journey.
0: I, I, uh, you've nailed something there. I hundred percent agree, and I've experienced it too. Like not in terms of thinking it would solve everything for me, but getting off stage and you know having worked for six months on a show and and worked my ass off, and that process was actually probably most of what you know the 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 journey of it is everything and then you yeah when it's over and you get off and then everyone else has been filled up with the experience and they're up here and you're just like fuck what what do i do now you know like it's it's gone everything's disappeared and it's not that you don't appreciate it or you don't have any understanding of what just happened but you you like you need to begin again and and then yeah like Everything that you were thinking about yesterday comes straight back. And you're right, though. It's a really good point to 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 then be able to start and realise that achieving those things won't solve your problems.
1: Yeah, I've got a lot of friends who are like either just starting out in music or have been doing music for a while and are like, "Oh, once I achieve this, I'll be fine." Sort of thing. Or once I achieve this, like my life or like I will feel fulfilled no. and everything and like that. And I tell them, it doesn't work that way at all. And they just you can't really truly um, believe that uh that it won't until you've like actually experienced it i think like i always inherently like 100 100%. knew that it wouldn't solve anything to to like uh quote unquote make it but once you truly do quote unquote make it and do the things that you know 15 year old you watching an incubus at red rocks dvd thought would solve all the problems do get to that point and then truly fully experience it then yeah it's uh it's quite the experience to have and
0: yeah, very few I, I, people really actually get talk- to
1: experience it in that way, like to that level. Yeah,
0: it's funny you talk about it because I've, I've been thinking, you know, I, I wholeheartedly believe that. And you want to be able to talk to people when they do talk to you about starting a career and anything that you might have some sort of relationship to or knowledge of. And you really, it is really hard to explain that exact thing. But after experiencing it, it's it's so much of it that you, Yeah. I don't know what it says about it too. It just for me, it just makes me want to continue to to have those periods of time where I'm like invested in something and and loving it, enjoying it, and knowing that the end of it is is not the you know the actual doing of it. It's everything, and afterwards start again. Yeah, that's what I financially think too. Like you can the, be better off, and then that's not that's not going to solve anything either.
1: Right. I mean, obviously, being fundamentally uh, financially better off is is Kim. Chem- you in a lot of positions that will make you feel less stressed it, and whatnot it
0: definitely then. that for sure but to, to to sort of solve your the big the big outlook on life or you know you go and suddenly go and buy all those things that you always wanted you're still going to have those same internal problems after you've seen them for a bit for sure that's a great great point
1: yeah i suppose um the cool thing, though, about solving a lot of those problems, financial success, uh, all that that stuff, is it's almost like troubleshooting the problems in a signal chain, though, right? Where you're like, all right, the preamp's fine. <laughs> My RAM's fine. Mm. This port is fine. It's like you slowly get down the track and you're like, all right, well, it can only be this thing mm. or this thing. That is the issue, right? And I guess, like, through mm. uh, going through that uh, experience of playing Red Rocks, making a million dollars, doing blah, 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 um, you eventually... Can eventually troubleshoot down to the point of like, where is the pain and where is the the issue and where is this existential Mm. shit coming from and all all sorts of stuff like that. So that's kind of something to be grateful for. Yeah,
0: absolutely, man. Yeah. Oh, it's, I've, yeah, I don't even know what it is anymore. I'm so, so, so fucking grateful for for so much of it. It sounds so cliche that when you're, you know, just saying, I'm really grateful, I'm really grateful and, and saying it to yourself enough actually is part of it. But, to be put in the position then to be able to like go and try things out and and challenge yourself in such new ways because you've achieved so many of your dreams from being a kid. Like I used to have, I had this list for I'd be nearly ten years ago and I ticked all those things off that were such big things for me, you know. And I kind of stopped writing the list because it kept it kept coming up that the thing I was just dreaming of, I'd be able to go do or I'd keep working towards. It. it takes a lot of work and a lot of dedication and focus and and all that. But yeah, it's, it's it's amazing to be able to, to dream of something and go, fuck it, I'm going to try that. And you start telling people and then it becomes like, fuck, I have to do it now, you know, and I have to dive in and I have to, you know, that's how the orchestra happened. I was like, I want to do one. And, you know, I want to do, I, was, I want to do them again, you know, and I, and I want to, you know, continually push that boundary, which is something I feel unexplored in this realm, you know, try it differently, try new ways to do it, you know. Um, and then that'll be over and I'll be like, fuck, great, what next? You know? And, and keep going because I don't think I'm ever going to get sick of wanting to push myself like that. Hmm.
1: Damn. Well, yeah, I'm definitely excited to see what you have next. Shape of Sound was sick, by the way. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Um, hopefully Thank you. I get to see you do a show some point this year. If you play in Atlanta, let me know. If you need a place to stay, yeah. let me know too because I've got a pretty big house now. And,
0: Fuck yeah.
1: Um, it's a cool place to stay too, I think, for a producer because like, I have a whole last like, second bedroom, like a guest room. That's attached to like a private bathroom and private studio. So, like, mm-hmm. wow. have your own. And own you're going to have house. a pump
0: track, right?
1: I'm gonna try, I'll try. You know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Keep I, digging. Yeah, no, fuck, man. I, I think I'd need to like hire a machine or something from Home Depot for that. Maybe like a little yeah. excavator or crane or something. I don't
0: know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> My neighbors would be like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Just <laughs> trying to dig in a big hole in the backyard with a big machine.
0: Yeah. Oh well, here's to here's to um, smashing out those dreams, and and uh, also congrats again to being your level of sobriety and and uh, that next phase because that's huge, man. Thanks, yeah, dude. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, thanks, man. And uh, we should uh, write a tune that we've been talking about writing for ages. I'll uh, I'll send you something. <laughs> Get going.
0: I've got time. I've got a little bit of time at the moment between rather large projects. So yeah. Cool. Send me a folder of random things.
1: Yeah I'll, yeah, I'll send you a big folder of random things.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, I'll, I'll, I'll pare it down to some things. Narrow it down yeah. a little
0: bit. No, actually go find something that's like not really what you'd think would do, but we could do something that would be us. Or I'll put it like that. So I started you know, like, something there's so many things,
1: but I... right before this podcast because I remember last time I was chatting with you, you were like house music's where it's at. And I was like, all right. So uh,
0: I really enjoy. I I still enjoy doing that.
1: Me too, man. So like right before this podcast, I was like, I started a house thing, so I can maybe work on that if you want. Oh, today? Oh, whenever. I'm in no rush.
0: No, you started it today.
1: I started it literally right before this call. Yeah.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah, send it over.
1: Yeah, I'll give you uh, a. Yeah,
0: man. Here's the here's the smashing. Here's the smashing. The fucking. you just got me really inspired to like think outside the box on a few things. I'm like. Yeah. I've got a lot of big projects in my mind at the moment and I'm really trying to challenge myself with them and just, yeah, you've kind of just tapped on something before talking about when you're doing it and then you achieve it and then it maybe doesn't feel the same way as you thought it would, or it doesn't solve those problems or whatever. It's like, it's really about challenging yourself and, and enjoying that journey and appreciating every little fucking bit of it. Because the end game is not necessarily what you think it'd be. It might be, but it also might not be yeah, well, the end game so cool.
1: is like such a transient experience. It's something that lasts like that That end game that you're thinking about lasts like an hour or a month or two months mm-hmm. or whatever, how long the show goes for, how long the tour goes for. But the actual process of making mm-hmm. the music is like 99% of your time, I feel like. So it's my, I mean, the, the bulk of your life, if you're a producer, is has got to be spent sitting by yourself in isolation making tunes. So you gotta, you got to <laughs> learn to enjoy that part of it.
0: Yeah, no, totally. Oh, that that is the enjoyment. It's, it's, um, but it all builds. Like, I think that one experience or that one show or that one tour or whatever, they all build to create a life or a a period of time that does give you a bit more perspective on what the whole thing is, which is, which is a beautiful thing, too. Mm. Yeah. For sure. Inspiring shit, man. (laughs) You're awesome.
1: Yeah, likewise, dude. Thanks for coming on the uh, podcast, man. I really appreciate it
0: pleasure anytime we can talk again I'm, I'm
1: down yeah man whenever like you want to bounce yeah. a idea an existential idea or any anything else just hit me
0: up <laughs> funny how it goes down that that road so often oh, yeah. the whole thought process of what it really is it's I
1: almost like we're humans experiencing <laughs> life
0: hey
1: wow. Yo, what's up? Thanks for listening to the Mr. Bill podcast. This show is produced and edited by Robert Fumo. You can get early access to the show by going to my website, mrbillstunes.com and paying me instead of Patreon. And remember to go rate and review on iTunes, or I'm going to come to your house and punch your dog in the throat upper deck your toilet and fuck your partner note i may or may not do those last couple of things uh you should probably just go rate it on itunes or spotify or whatever it is that you listen to the podcast on because it really helps the podcast um but but just know that that it'll go a long fucking way to me not doing those things if you do go do that so uh, just just putting that out there